beautiful right now. traded for Kyrie, the clutch situations were a struggle. Uh, what, and this year you guys are among the best in the league in those situations. What have you seen, the difference in the dynamic, specifically with uh, Luke and Kyrie when you're closing games? I think maybe, Tim, maybe it's the things that you guys thought should have happened day one, is that they should be successful right off the bat. And it takes time. Failing is all right. It's not a bad thing to fail for a pro athlete because you can get better and learn from it and those two are the best in the world and we feel very comfortable with those two having the ball sometimes it goes in sometimes it doesn't but we learn from it and I think they've answered that question from day one as you just mentioned they're one of the best if not the best in clutch time but that was a big thing you guys wanted to make a big deal about last year but you're not making a big deal about it this year because it's going good 
right? So write some positive I just asked you a question. And I'm giving you a answer. <laughs> like, I'm t you guys, there's all right to write positive stuff. People will read your positive <laughs> You don't always have to be negative. Like, it's, it's just the world's already negative enough, right? So let's see some positive stuff on some positive people that are playing, doing their job on a nightly basis. Making it a lot easier to do that this year. We're only into this year. We can't go back to last year, right? That's the problem. Have a good night. Live from the last of the Action Heroes Podcast Network Studios, it's Nothing Worthwhile presents Van Dammit, a podcast about Jean-Claude Van Damme. Here's Evan Moody and Andrew Boothius. Being okay now? Can, can you hear yes, me? Yes, everything sounds lovely. All right. all right, we're all set. Welcome everyone to Nothing Worthwhile, episode 115. We are back on the last of the Action Heroes podcast network. Glad to be back as we're doing it Van Damme it style today. As we take a look at our guy, Jean Claude Van Damme's, I think it's his first and perhaps, I don't know, only foray into episodic television. It's season one. The only season of Amazon Prime's Jean-Claude Van Johnson. But first, let me bring in, bring in my guy live from Coconut Creek, Florida on a Saturday evening taping. Andrew Grutius, how the hell are you, my friend? Good evening to you and how you be. I'm doing fine. I'd be good. I'm a little, I'm a little chopped up today. I'm a little tired. Why is that? Uh, let's see. Last night. Chopped up. Um, what is chopped up for you? I was running. I, I tripped okay. at 5 o'clock in the morning in front of a bus stop and smashed my elbow and my hand and was bleeding and running around the town at 5 in the morning bleeding. That was one thing. Braxton got sick, threw up blood. We thought we were going to have to take him to the emergency room, but he's fine now. But more importantly, not more, <laughs> never more importantly than the dogs. Never. Yeah, yeah I know that. I love my guys. I but mean we saw took my brother Andrew and Marie when we went to see Billy Joel and Stevie Nicks live uh -huh. from Chase Field. Stadium? Arizona. Stadium. Baseball stadium. They, yeah, 50,000. Did they fill it? Like a pretty clean sellout. Yeah. Nice. I mean, a couple of sprinkling of couple of sprinkling of empty seats, but the place looked looked like a legit sellout. Incredible. Good show. Good show. Just incredible. Stevie Nicks revelation. Never seen her before. Really, I think you would have loved it. Very nice, tight 11-song set. She covered For What It's Worth by Buffalo Springfield. She covered Tom Petty Free Falling, which was nice. Hmm. I had Billy Joel come out and trade vocals on Stop Dragging My Heart. Billy sang the Petty verses. And just the band was very tight. And she's an Arizona girl, born and raised in Phoenix or Scottsdale. So she talked a lot about her upbringing and for someone who's not too familiar now, I know most of the hits, her stuff and Fleetwood Mac, it was really great, uh, a real musicality to it. And then, you know, Billy, listen, you and I could probably 
find a million and one holes, no surprises. But I thought he, he didn't phone it in for an, an off-site live event. He's not in New York, New Jersey, not on the Northeast Coast. He looked like legitimately hit some notes on Innocent Man. I didn't see Del Judas up there. It looked like he was singing solo. And I actually liked he did Innocent Man and For the Longest Time back to back. I thought that was the, my favorite mm. part of the show, the two, the two Innocent Man uh, tracks. And um, Show yeah, some cohesion. Get, with you know, yeah, within you get the some set stick, list. you know, you, you, you get the uh, Rolling Stone. Billy goes out and does a snippet of "Start Me Up," and you get some of the same jokes. He lost is it all still? Of- is it still like he's every concert he's talking to people who he thinks have never seen him before? Is that was that uh, is that what it's like? It's- that, that's a really good point. <laughs> Um, this is an album no. called. We know what your fucking albums are called. We yeah, know. Yeah, he still does that. He still does that. That's how he references the songs. This right. one is from Fifty Second Street, I think. Seventy <laughs> eight. No shit, really. <laughs> I think the only thing that I, I found a little funny was he talked about he thanked Stevie Nicks at, towards the end of the show, and then he was like, "So they pitched me the idea of me and Stevie going out on tour," and I was like, "Stevie She's Wonder, great." She there he goes, she's great, but why? <laughs> and he was like, I, I didn't see any connection. And I was like, you and I were like, we feel the same way. And then he goes, to sell fucking tickets. Speaking of that, I have a question. And then the bass player goes. So I actually have a question. Out of curiosity, regardless of whatever, however you got your tickets or whatever, are what are the ticket prices for a show like this? Because essentially, you are getting two complete shows. Uh, you know, I looked at both set lists. They are the complete shows that each that either one yeah, would put on. So, so you must have been there for about five five hours or so, uh, right? We, no. Um, yeah, I missed the last couple of songs because I, I drove in with Andrew. Right. So my brother's uh, will ambulance service came at ten thirty. So we left right around River of Dreams. I, but, but, my, but my point is, judging by the set list, you're getting two for one. Now, my question is, are you getting two for one? If it was just Billy Joel, uh, would he, A, be playing that stadium, and B, he would play essentially the same set list? So I guess my point is, are you paying... <laughs> it's like... Each of the, if you, uh, what the hell am I trying to say? If you're paying for, I hear what you're saying. How do they split the money? How do they split the money that they're making if they're, if they're charging the same amount that you would pay to see either one of them solo? You know what I mean? So let me answer a couple questions. I, I didn't, these tickets were a gift, so I don't know, but I don't think, I don't think they were double charged because the person who bought them didn't say anything to me about that. So I'm going to assume our seats, which were in the three hundreds, but we were in the wheelchair accessible. So we literally had a section to ourselves that was gated off. So it was great. You're going to love, hopefully we're going to see Bruce at the footprint center, which is the basketball where we saw Bon Jovi. Andrew and I literally had a table chairs to ourselves. It, and we're up a little bit, but with clean look right at the stage. Well, that's Andrew where Andrew is. I, I am with whoever I'm with. I'm a couple sections over. Oh yeah, but we're close. I think. I think based maybe not, but all right. Let's no, see. we're two literally um, two sections over in the same row. 
Okay, so I, I don't think the tickets were were double booked. My perception of the money split would be Billy would get a little bit more of the lion's share because Billy did play the deeper set. Stevie, she did about 90 minutes, 14 songs, I think. So, so if this I, were a tour, I, I, if they were touring together, there would be no switching up. There would be it would be Stevie opening for Billy each night. It wouldn't be I the other. I, it wouldn't be like the Billy and Elton thing. It wouldn't be no. Okay, completely not like the Billy. Got it. All right. There's very little interplay between the two people, except for "Stop Dragging My Heart." Both acknowledge the other one, and they're chatting to the audience, and. That was pretty much it. There okay. was no All like right. Elton and Billy had a lot more interplay. So this is a Billy Joel production featuring an upgraded set by Rock and Roll Hall of Famer Stevie Nicks. I don't know if I'd call it a full Billy Joel production, but I would call it 55, 45, 60, 40 All Billy, right. Stevie. But Stevie Nicks was great, and I enjoyed Billy. I'm glad. I'm fine. glad. I'm happy to hear that. If you're that happy, how do you think that makes me feel? Bitter and fucking jealous, you bastard. This sucks. See no, Billy Joel. Because I told, I told my brother, <laughs> if I, had he not expressed interest in this show, I wouldn't have gone. I've seen Billy a kajillion times. We're not going to get anything new. Sometimes the fantasy was a nice, but I've seen that probably five million times too. It hadn't Andrews, Andrew doesn't get a chance to see him very often. Doesn't travel like I do, so he wanted to see Billy, and he enjoyed. He, he thought Billy was great, and you know what? So did I. For the Terrific. Most part. That's uh, that. You know what? Yeah. That's great. And listen, if he were do, if they were doing it, uh, a half hour, forty five minutes from me, I'd be going too. You yeah, know? yeah. So, one thing you. Andrew and I, one thing Andrew and I were talking about on the ride home. So we had the, we took the Phoenix Dollar Ride, the wheelchair service bus. So he's allowed one person. He's going to find out if. The two of us can go. We can we can all drive in together for Bruce. But nonetheless, he was talking about. Do you think at the final residency show we might get something like perhaps Liberty DeVito? We were talking about that a little bit, and I said, yeah, my I said probably not. But if there's a time to pop a really cool special guest or something like that, would probably be the show. Do you think? I say. I think the final. I think the the final residency is July of 2024. I believe. I'm trying to. I'm trying to th- think if I should go with no, or hell no. It's yeah. Well, I, I just I feel think- like Bill, Billy Joel is not a. He would have. Uh, he'd have Paul McCartney or Elton John, or he'd have them way. He's probably got a lineup of that, and he doesn't. He's. His his history is not what's being what he's going to be celebrating that night because he never celebrates his history, other than just break out the songbook, which is what we go for. But I think bringing I liberty is you, but he, but he has brought back nothing on the level. Like he brought back David Brown. I know he's brought back. When Skyler was that? Deals, when so. was David Brown? David Brown. Craig was at the show, I believe. I think he was at both of them. He brought back David Brown, who was one of the, not the original, but the one of the, the after the original band, made um, he, I mean, uh, he was in Stormfront, but that's all I really he remember. He was in before from. Stormfront, too. He, what he about was T-Bone, Nine, whatever the name is? No, they, yeah, that guy was from Saturday Live, the backup band, and then they brought hmm. him in for the River of Dreams store. Okay, let's see here. Looking at the clips, we were talking about it. 
Any thoughts on Jason Kidd upset that a NBA reporter had the nerve to ask him about a team up of his two biggest stars, Kyrie Irving and Luka Doncic, not being successful? I know you're not a big sports fan, but you are a coach, and Jason Kidd is an all-star. It was a funny clip. Well, not a funny clip, but Jason Kidd's got to know he's going to be asked about his two $50 billion players not being successful together. And Kyrie Irving just alone is a pretty controversial cat. Yeah, you said it. They got an, What are they not going to ask you? Do you think they really care about what kind of defense you decided to put up? They already know what kind of defense you got to put up because they watch the fucking game. They're going to ask you about what they're there to ask you about. So I, I think it's part of his part of his shtick at this point. So it didn't surprise me. He's always been a controversial figure. So he's the, why wouldn't he take advantage of of this kind of medium? And that's what you would expect from Jason Kidd. Nothing more, nothing less. And it's fine. I, yep. It makes for great. It, that was hilarious. That was great. Yeah, it was another clip <clears> I put. <throat> I don't know if you were. It was uh, T.I., the rapper, who was real big in the early 2000s. He's I, I know T.I. is. Come on. Give me some credit. All right. So if you see the clip, it was circulating on social media. Him and his son or his family is watching yeah. a football game. I, the son is showing out, and T.I. tries to check him by saying, <laughs> like, you're spoiled, you're bougie. Did you ever wake up with a cockroach in your mouth referencing his tough upbringing? And then the son, of course, freaks out with his dreads and <laughs> I think says something like, that's why I lived with grandpa all those years. I didn't want the. So it was a clip that was going around social media. I've always it's always a, a weird thing. It's and it's very big now with parents and their parents who've worked hard and are successful and then their kids who are not but get to live off of the spoils of their lifestyle these quote-unquote nepo babies you see it the people trying to out these and my my person my perspective is i once had a lady at work say to me never never apologize for your lot in life meaning never apologize that you grew up with with, with a family or parents that did let's don't apologize for it i i won't apologize for it and i don't know i thought it was a good clip because they're yelling and screaming at each other and cursing each other out. And hmm. I don't know, maybe it even got physical. Wow. I, I, we should have used that. Yeah, maybe. All right. Uh, yeah, a TI. Yeah, but clearly hip hop is not our area. Of but listen, look, we can all, all they're all, look, we go through probably between the two of us during a week of school, we go through thousands of clips. <laughs> Come on, let's be real. So we have to edit the thing down. We can't. It can't be. We can't be forty-five minutes of clips. We got. Mr. Grutius, uh, on the Constitution. Hold on one second. I'm watching Ti and his son argue. Moody, just I don't. Moody, I don't know. I need an answer here, for, please. Look, Gru, let's get to it. The big clip, obviously. Uh, we'll talk about some other stuff in wrestling a little bit later in the podcast, but obviously. As I predicted, as your boy stated, I was on from the beginning. Phil Brooks, a.k.a. CM Punk, has indeed returned to the WWE. Wait, we'll was I never, others. was I ever... You in, shit on in, it for... No, I didn't. Them yes, Here's what did. I shit on. And, I'm, and the jury is still out. The jury is still out. I always maintained that, was, that would be the one needle mover that we always agreed upon. You were always right about that, and you still are. One, the, the only thing I was ever critical of, and I still might be, is will his attitude get the better of him as it has in the past? I hope not. I hope there's a, he's off to an incredible start. And so, My thing is, 
you're right. It may go bad, but you've got to go for it. You, and I you, never disagree with are, that. I never disagree with that. These are moments. Chicago, live. You're talking about the WWE is hitting on all cylinders. He's now the cream. He's the straw that stirs the – he's the cream. Absolutely. He's the, he's the last piece that – I mean, their rosters are loaded. They got 12-plus people on both sides of the aisle that could pop an audience – He's just another name, and it's just another. Hey, strike Ed on. showed up in the other place, and they answered with CM Punk, and the CM Punk pop was quite was quite a bit louder than the one for Mister Copeland. You, you can go. suck it there down south, man, or wherever the fuck they are. No, I don't feel that way. I just think the WWE right now, when you're in a when you're in a strength, you're able to you're able to deal business wise from an area of strength, and that's what they're able to do right now. They're going to get massive money for their television uh, rights. I think Raw is still in the air, but apparently it's – I don't know. I'm not even sure if they – but they haven't agreed upon that. And they're in a position now where they have a lot of money, and they're able to use it wisely, and they're able to pick and choose. And right now, clearly, the WWE is in a, in the driver's seat in the WWE AEW war, which is really not a war at this point right now. AEW is a major company, but they're, they're, from my perspective, not a threat, so to speak, for WWE. And social media, back pages, everything's going the WWE's way right now. It's just they're hitting on all cylinders. It's incredible. Yeah, and I'm as into it as I ever was. Got my SmackDown tickets for Ooh, that's uh, right. Royal Rumble Eve. I'll be sitting in the third row. Any Van Dammit fans, please go and see see Gru. Where is it? Is that in Miami? Or yeah, Florida? Miami. Miami. Ah, bastard. To make you drive those mother efforts. I know. But I was like, look, I have a little Hanukkah gift to myself. That's good. Also, I want all the last of the Action Hero podcast fans, please go and see Andrew Gruthius if you're in Miami yeah. for SmackDown. I, I did get a chance in preparation for today's Third podcast. row, section listen. three on the floor, right by where hopefully I'll get Cody's belt and maybe he'll give me a hug. <laughs> <laughs> that or maybe you'll get the Bret Hart glasses. Oh, there you go. Now we're talking. Yeah, you definitely compared CM Punk to Bret Hart, though. Oh, absolutely. And I still would. Yeah, but I am still, I've really thought about this. My position on Bret Hart has changed a little bit. I've evolved. Like Howard Stern, Andrew, I have evolved. <laughs> oh, really? I can't wait to hear yeah, that. If being woke means I'm alive, then I'm, I'm No, I understand that part of it. I, I meant. No, I'm joking. That was Howard. But uh, so uh, how has Bret Hart evolved? Oh, no, I've evolved my position. on. How have you, uh, and how has okay, your so, view changed? I think I can't listen. Andy could speak for his position, but I think years back when we did the Bret Hart podcast, we've seen him as a bit of a blowhard. We love him. We love his work. I don't think Andy or I see him in the top five, top seven per se, but I think he's definitely up there in the upper tiers. We're, this is not a wrestling podcast, so we'll save that for another time. But I thought about um, – all those shoot interviews and he's just a very sometimes the, these they're almost very depressing he's very dour and i say a couple of things one he's led an exceptionally rough life his brother we don't need to go through what happened to his brother i think that's a life-changing event that you perhaps mm -hmm. never get past but number two you know i think about it like 
you and I off air, we're both educators. We can argue or we could gripe very passionately about our jobs. And I felt like, well, why can't we give that same sort of benefit to a guy like Bret Hart? He's very passionate. At the end of the day, all you have is your name, your character. Where I will fault him absolutely was he didn't follow a tried and true practice of the business so to speak, which is you drop the belt to whoever the your territory wants you to drop to, and then you move on to your greener pastures. I will definitely hit him for that. But I do believe, yeah, he's a little bit of a dour guy, but I've lightened up on he's passionate and I'll give him I'll give him some of that. I won't grant him full immunity, but I understand some of those how he comes across because of his life and, you know, he's he's passionate about his work. So am I. So why can't I see him a little bit differently? That's how where I've seen him. Okay. That's how I've moved. I'll say one bit. quick thing, and then we'll move on for it because I know you don't want to get sucks. I agree with all of that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I agree with all of that. But here's the thing. He's really the only guy that goes around being completely negative towards so many things about the business. The only guy who got to the top and stayed there and did all there is to do. He, who, what is the ultimate goal? WWF, WWE championship. Multiple times, he was the face of the number one wrestling company in the world. That will ever be. He got to the top. He had it all. That doesn't mean you're going to stay there forever. Understood. So he's really the only guy who reached that pinnacle of success in the wrestling business who appears to loathe the business as much as love it. That's the only, he seems to be the only one who has had that level of success who just looks at the business with such a disdain. That's my only thing with him. Just like it's, yeah, it took a lot from you, but it gave you everything you have and you gave everything you have too. And just, if you're going to sell your brand, don't, let the name do the selling for you. You got to do what the other, you're not. All right. We're getting too far, but no, listen, by the way, I can't disagree with anything you said. I can't disagree with one thing you said. So that's why when we see him at Russell cons, I never go over to his table. Cause yeah, he looks that's my point. That's you know? my point. So uh, <laughs> like just uh, my point uh, is my point is lighten up a little bit, act like the legend that you are. And people, people's perception of him will, will still change. There's still time. He's still, he's not a spring chicken, but he's not, he's still the hitman. He could still be a presence somewhere doing anything. I don't know, but don't, don't just sit there. Give a little something. I don't know. All right, listen, I'm going to transition. I'm going to use your words. So you talked about perception. So Gru, I want to get your perception. We've talked about this before. I think we're both fans. Uh, it's the monster verse. It's big. It's beefy. The new trailer for Godzilla X Kong, it's out. Looks like Godzilla and Kong are going to be working together to stop a new threat. We'll get a look at some of their adventures in this trailer. It's going to take us deep within the Earth and back on the surface. We also see a new Godzilla with a glowing pink spikes and Kong with a mechanical arm. Andrew, please check out your monitors. Godzilla x Kong, the new Empire. Do you see it? I do. All right, here we go. Let's take a look. For most of human civilization, it's more like Jurassic Park so far. 
we believed that life could only exist on the surface of our planet. Like Star Wars. <laughs> oh, God. What else were we wrong about? Welcome to my world. Won't you come in? This world has more secrets than we could possibly imagine. Very good. Speck a hall. Yeah. Still now and then. What is that? That's not Kong. Who could have done this? That's ooh. What is this? Godzilla in the Temple of Doom. Nice, Olam Shivai. Oh my God! Can't stop this on his own. This is wild. Literally, I could name thirty movies that are that. This looks like a, a ride at Universal, and maybe that's the point. You're like visiting all of movies past here, and finally, there you go. There's Godzilla. Looking more like a T-Rex, I think, than he has in the past. And there's Kong. In that thing, he's okay. In the the first one, it looked like too a little too much like Planet of the Apes. Welcome to my world. By the way, the reason I'm describing it is because the sound isn't working very well, Evan. <laughs> what the sound you could hear the you could hear what they were saying but you couldn't really hear what was going on so i was describing uh, it i was describing it as we went all right any thoughts on the trailer it I looks it look it looks like a generic disaster monster uh, adventure film which is perfectly fine with me it's the it's exactly the it's it sounds like it's coming in like a, the summer perfect summer popcorn movie to see looks like a definitely looks like a lot of fun and the the last one i think we both liked we did we did a thing on it and they were, it's, it's staying on brand is what it is that's what's going on these days that's a big movie trend now top gun maverick left a big wake in hollywood a lot of people are looking at the top gun maverick formula for these uh, legacy sequels I feel like the only thing they did was tell a good story, the Top Gun Maverick. They told the same story from a different perspective, and it was done absolutely beautifully. That's that's the Top Gun formula, and it's the same. It's essentially the same exact thing, beat by beat. A couple little changes here and there doesn't matter if you do it well and you make people believe in it and understand it and go with it. That's how it works, and that's why the people who did that's why I knew it would be good. I didn't know it would be industry changing, but that I think you're being uh, if you want to go down the road with Top Gun Maverick was a big popcorn, I believe, summer sequel, but it, it did a couple of things. It, it was right in the height of 
It was coming post-COVID. It didn't really message. It was a patriotic movie. We hadn't seen a movie like that in a while. I'm hearing some feedback. I know. I just heard some. So, okay. No, we're good. Anyway. Yeah, I'm getting some feedback on my end. Now we're good. And they just avoided the messaging, like all these other sequels do, avoided the messaging, told a good story, feel good, patri- patriotic, pro-military, that kind of thing. And staying on brand, I don't really disagree, but they avoided, I think, many of the traps that these sequels do or these movies do now. They try to pander and message, and it doesn't work. It doesn't work, and for the most part, people avoid stuff like that. Yeah, they try to time. try to reinvent the wheel instead of plugging the holes in the old ones. But the, I guess it, I'm building on this because it's it really comes down to Jerry Bruckheimer. Like when he gets involved, he doesn't screw around. If you look at his filmography, you'll find very few slip ups, if any. And I'm giving that kind of optimism because he's doing Beverly Hills Cop Four. I'm just praying just somebody come through please I got three words for you candy cane lane okay, there fuck you, you. Oh. fuck you oh my god I, did, um, I couldn't even bring wow, myself to watch the trailer yeah when Gru likes something boy here's the thing uh, I will say this about Godzilla X-Kong I do agree with you a little bit because Watching the trailer, you have now Monarch, Legacy of Monsters on Apple TV, which is really good and smart with Kurt Russell. So now, if you're just going to give me a mindless monster kaiju movie, like you're saying, I'll probably be a little bit disappointed. Monarch has set up, has really given you a more fleshed out, detailed monsterverse with our government, Monarch, this secret government agency. Kurt Russell, Wyatt Russell, some big names. So now if you're just going to you're going to hit me over, I'm watching this Apple Plus show and really enjoying it. Now if you're just going to build on it by giving me a dumb monster movie, I'm I'm always a sucker for big popcorn movie special effects, but if you're going to give me something dumb, I'm probably going to be a little disappointed. Yeah, I agree. I Thank but you. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, why, 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 who's going to argue with that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who's going to argue with that? So just the same as you, and I'm looking forward to – I'm absolutely looking forward to to seeing that one. It looks like there's like – like you said and I said, staying on brand. All right. Look forward to Godzilla X Kong Maverick. And, oh, and Be- wait, and Beverly Hills Cup 4. Beverly Hills Cup 4. Yeah, yeah, we're doing the neutron dance. Um, <laughs> all right, yeah. all right, Gru. Let's. Uh, you want to talk a little uh, news, a little, uh, little uh, '80s action star news? Uh, Absolutely. We take a look at Jean Claude Van Johnson, Andrew. Let's let's talk some news on our favorite '80s action stars. It is time for Van Dammit spanning the universe. Van Dammit spanning the universe. Yo. Yes, Andrew. Spanning Universe is brought to you by New Life Center. Begin a new you. Look, holidays are coming. New Year's Eve. People and are Larson. making resolutions. And Larson. <laughs> <laughs> and I look back at my life, Andrew, and I there were times where I was really depressed and I needed somebody to talk to. Here we go. A very special <laughs> Van Dammit. Uh, Look, if you're depressed, go to New You Life Center. Yes, exactly. It's all about becoming a new you. 
Yeah, you get some Botox. That's all I'm uh, saying. That's what people say. Look, it's not how you feel. It's like Billy Crystal said. It's how you look. uh, It's better to look good to to feel good. good. And that's your life center. Feel good in a stress-free environment. They look marvelous over there. There you go. There you go. (laughs) All right, listen, we're not going to reinvent the wheel here. It's some stuff that you... I don't know. Well, well, let me see it. What are your thoughts? Look, John Claude claimed in a recent interview with the Telegraph that one Vin Diesel was not interested in having him star in the Fast and Furious franchise. The ongoing action series grew as employed action movie veterans such as Dwayne The Rock Johnson, Jason Statham over the years. And Van Damme said the franchise was also interested in getting him on board. But it was Vin Diesel who allegedly said no. Quoting Jean-Claude, they want me in Fast and Furious, but Vin Diesel said, no, I don't want him. This article was by Variety. They reached out to Diesel's representatives for comment, but did not get one. Van Damme did not disclose in this interview which Fast and the Furious project he was potentially being courted for. Does it really matter? Fast 1, Fast 9, Fast X? No. They're all this, They're all kind of the same. Uh, I, I couldn't even finish Fast X, by the way. It's on Peacock and I couldn't even finish it. Van Damme grew, has been involved in other Hollywood action franchises where he appeared as the villain in 2012's Expendable 2. We'll cover that somewhere down the line. As for Fast and Furious grew, the most recent installment that I talked about, Fast X, grossed $704 million worldwide at the box office. While the domestic interest in the series has waned, Fast X only grossed $145 million here in North America, the franchise remains incredibly popular overseas, $550 million global. Uh, Universal will release the 11th Fast and Furious movie in theaters on April 4th, 2025. Grew buying any of these comments from Jean-Claude on Vinny Diesel? I 100% believe that Vin Diesel would not want Jean-Claude Van Damme in the movie. He's a, Vin Diesel's a spotlight guy, which is why I believe he had Paul Walker killed. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just, I, I want to hear here, uh, Van Damme. <laughs> but I do believe, I definitely believe Vin Diesel would not want CVD. But that being said, I've never seen any of those movies, to be frank. I think I might have seen Tokyo Drift, but that's it. Just bits and pieces, so I get it. But it's still, is Vin Diesel, does Vin Diesel hold that much power the studio says, we're going to get Jean-Claude Van Damme. Vin Diesel says no, and the studio says, okay. Does Vin Diesel hold that much fa- power in this franchise anymore? If you're asking me, I'm I asking you. I'm asking you. Yeah, I think he, I think he does. I All think right. He, this is the one thing he's associated with. I was on uh, Peacock, and they have The Last Witch Hunter, which is like 2014, big budget, sci-fi, action fantasy no interest at all for me. No, he's that's really not my point. My point, point is... No, I'm saying he's become a big one-trick pony with the Fast franchise, and he's the daddy of the franchise. I think he has final say on pretty much everything. Okay, all right, yeah. All right, so then... And I absolutely, a thousand percent believe he would say that, probably not for public view, but John claude Van Damme has never been known to keep his mouth shut about his personal issues about anything. Um, Hold on. Is that true? He's a chatty guy. He'll, he's not shy about responding to things, whether whether they were public or private. Meaning if if he heard that Steven Seagal was talking shit about him to Sylvester Stallone at a party, 
Van Damme would, wouldn't be shy about going on a talk show and saying, yeah, I heard you talked about me. That That's what I mean. I would believe that if he heard that Vin Diesel's told a buddy that he didn't want Van Damme in the thing and it was supposed to be kept private, Van Damme's the type of guy who would absolutely say, yeah, they wanted me, but uh, Vin Diesel, he thinks he can do it himself. Okay, fine. Don't need my splits. Fuck you. I wonder if his role in Expendables 2 got him perhaps on the radar for a real big I would have thought so. Con- I would have thought so. I would have hoped so. I, as we've said, that's an admirable performance by you. I said it's my favorite of his, I think. Okay. We'll talk a little yeah. more Jean-Claude in a bit. Gru, let's talk a little Arnold Schwarzenegger. We're all, we're, so we're all, of course, all familiar with The Terminator. What a classic movie. He only had 17 lines in the film, hmm. amounting to 58 words overall. But, of course, we know the most iconic line of all. After tracking Sarah Connor down to a police station, the TA turns up to take out his target, only to be told by the cop he can't see her. It's then he delivers the line, I'll be back. The phrase became so popular in wider culture that at this point, it's hard grew to imagine Arnie's career without it. But if Arnie had his way, it might not have become so famous. Arnie last week told The Hollywood Reporter that the line, as we know, was an accident. He explained, I was not comfortable with saying it. I said, I think it's stronger to say, I will be back. James Cameron said, oh, are you the scriptwriter now? Mm-hmm. It's just one word. Don't tell me how to write. I don't tell you how to act. Obviously, Gru Cameron chose to go with his original line, which quickly became one of the most recognizable catchphrases in Hollywood. Let's see here. The origin of the I'll be back line is one of the many revelations in the Arnie documentary, which we've talked about on that on Netflix. According to Arnie, though, however, once he delivered the phrase Cameron wanted, the director told him he got goosebumps, seemingly recognizing the power of the moment immediately. As it turned out, I'll be back. Debacle was just one of many moments where Arnie wanted to do things differently. And we don't need to go through the, all the other stuff. Let's see here. Let's see. Schwarzenegger, the movie helped launch his Hollywood career. Meanwhile, I'll be back. Crew stands as the 37th greatest movie quote of all time, according to the American Film Institute. Gru, any thoughts on the backstory of I'll Be Back? Yeah, it's, it's, it was in two movies before it became a joke. It was in The Terminator and Commando. And then every time after that, it was it was twins or Terminator 2. It's, it's a wink to the camera. Every, every time after that, I don't think I'll be back holds the the weight that everyone seems to think. It's it's oh, not I, I, I don't I, I think I, it's such a classic iconic I, I, line. The reason that I don't like it is because in the context of the movie, it doesn't make sense. Why is he asking for permission? Why is he even saying that? He's the Terminator. He doesn't give a shit what this cop thinks. He's going to go back and get the tank and or do whatever it is he ran through that thing. He's not going to be like, yeah, all right, I'll check back with you. He doesn't need to. It doesn't really Here's make sense when it's first uttered. So I've always been a little ambivalent to 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 that line as folklore. You know what I mean? I would say the way you could write that off would be clearly Terminators evolve as Arnie ended up selling 
What do you sell draperies? And, um, <laughs> That's and, a good uh, point. That's well played. That's a good defense. As uh, they, as all name? these, what was his name? as of the Carl or whatever, or Paul Carl or John or whatever, out of pops, I don't know. But uh, yeah, all these otherworldly beings. The longer they spend amongst our kind, the longer they become like us. So that theory would prove me wrong, but it's still not a big deal to me. I still, it's a chuckle uh, anytime I hear I it. Remember- I remember as a kid, though, seeing that scene, of course, not really buying, recognizing the iconic moment with the line. But when his car crashes into that police station, I I was like 13 years old. I was like, oh, my God. But I'll take it even further, because even when he said the line, even when he said the line, looking back now as a film snob, I can say it's it doesn't make sense. But as as a 10 or 11 year old, when I saw it for the first time, I think at camp or something. And he says, I'll be back. It scared the shit out of us. It's, it's, uh, so, yeah, you know what? You're right. Stupid or not stupid, it's, it's an iconic line, and it will last forever. I'll just say this, folks. Andy, every show will try to wedge in at least two camp references. <laughs> One Jerry Bruckheimer, three Eddie Murphys, yes. and a partridge in a pear tree. <laughs> there you uh, go. For the holidays. Well, let's talk about... Let's talk about Sly. It's been nearly 40 years since Brazit Nielsen. Listen to this one, because I have a lot of thoughts on this. It's been nearly 40 years since Brigitte Nielsen married Sylvester Stallone. And the actress says that her former husband doesn't cross her mind often. After all this time, Brigitte admitted that she has, quote, no idea what this guy is up to. You move on. You're so busy doing other things that it can be like, wait, what was his name again? The marriage, she explained to people, was so long ago after marrying in 1985 the couple split in 87. I never think about him, she said. Oh, here we go. Sometimes it feels like it never happens. And Nielsen is now 60. Stallone is 77. They were married for just 19 months. They have, oh boy, you got to see what's going on off camera, boy, folks. They have a 17-year age gap. Uh, who gives a shit? Who gives a fuck about this article? <laughs> I just... No, I want to talk about it. My thing is, okay, this article, she basically <laughs> trashes Stallone, and then they talk about her appearance in Creed II, <laughs> repri- reprising her 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 role from Rocky IV, right. and seeing her former husband, that it, she softened a little bit. She told people that it was incredibly emotional to see him again. We're two professionals. We kept it that way, she explained. He stayed in the American corner, and I stayed in the Russian <laughs> corner. We were on opposite sides, but it was very pleasant. Very interesting comments from Brigitte Nielsen. Very interesting and revealing comments, I thought, from her. I didn't go through the whole article, but you could see that most of the comments about the initial run with Sly were negative, soft negative anyway. Any thoughts on Brigitte? All right. Here's here's the thing, and it's going to sound pathetic and sad, but don't take it that way because it's not meant that way. All right. I have no idea what it feels like to be as emotionally connected to somebody as it would be to marry them. Wait, hold on. What what are you looking at me like that for? What? Uh, Okay, go ahead. No, you you don't understand my point. My point is for people to be that close at a point in their lives, and then it, it doesn't make sense to me that regardless of what happened between them, if they would be unable to, sh- to occupy the same space. It d- That doesn't make sense to me. If two people are able to be that close in any fashion, it shouldn't be a big deal to occupy the same space. But that's something I don't understand. That's my point. 
that's something that that others would understand, but not but not myself. So it well, doesn't. So it doesn't make sense to me when she says, "Oh, it sounds like she's saying, yeah, it took a lot for us." Like she didn't say that, but it sounded like, "Oh, we were both professionals." Well, you're two people. You were married for Christ's sake. Hey, what's up? How's it going? <laughs> what? I think she. I think she intimates that seeing him in Creed Two was pleasant, and I'm sure they had some nice small talk. I My should thing hope is, so. Uh, listening to your comments, look, yeah, there's the song. It's called thin line between love and hate and i think there's a lot of oh, truth to that i thought you were going to say against all think, odds no I, I think <laughs> comments are obnoxious i would never take any pub i would never take any public position and bad mouth anyone at least in my life publicly for sure and so i think that's just i I won't go into characterizing her, but I just think it's a little uncouth and no need to go down that if road. If it gets her uh, one payday for one interview, she's going to do it because she's okay. got nothing to lose. That's the way the system is at this point. Someone like her who has nothing but her past to generate income, it's it certainly seems, that's what she's going to do. That, does that mean she has no morals? No, it means she's got to do what she's got to do. And I'm sure that's the way Sly sees it. Otherwise, he would have responded, but he didn't. Yeah, I don't. I'm, I, it's nothing to do with more morals. It's just I don't know. Uh, I just don't. Just doesn't reflect. But I, it sounds like when they met on the set of Creed Two, things were pleasant anyway. Gru, you mentioned Jean Claude and Steven Seagal. Jean Claude recently said that. Says Steven Seagal once turned down a hefty sum of money to fight him. Van Dam, 63 years of old, 63 years old, recently spoke with the UK's The Telegraph about his career and long-running feud with Seagal. Van Dam recalled that film producer and executive Peter Gruber, Peter Guber, Gruber, once wanted to promote a fight between Van Dam and Seagal, who have publicly feuded with each other dating back to the 1990s. Quoting Van Dam, they were having an idea to fight between me and Steven at the Mirage in Las Vegas, 20 million each, he didn't take the fight. A representative for Seagal did not immediately respond to people's requests for comments in this People article. Van Damme was out promoting his new Irish whiskey brand, Old Oak. Wasn't aware of that. Spoke to his longstanding feud with Seagal multiple times in the interview. The outlet reported that the feud grew out of claims Seagal made in the early 90s that doubted Van Damme's legitimate fighting credential. Quoting Jean-Claude, interesting kid stuff, he said when asked about the claim that a Stallone... When asked of a Sylvester Stallone claim that Seagal turned down an opportunity to fight in 1997 at a Stallone-hosted party. Quoting Van Damme, people told me Seagal doesn't speak so nice about me. I don't know why. Van Damme also gave some props to Steven Seagal, who last made a movie in 2019. The first movie I saw of his, this guy's going to make it. He's very charismatic. He said of Seagal, even now with his overweight years, he's got the Steven Seagal way of talking. Elsewhere during Van Damme's sit-down, he did offer a rough idea how we would approach fighting Seagal if the opportunity ever came. If he and I uh, fight, I run faster than him, much faster. I would run away. He's going to try to catch me. He's going to get out of shape. I come back and fight. Grew up thoughts on Jean-Claude's musing on a potential Steven Seagal showdown. Ain't going to happen. No, that's not going to happen, and there's no doubt in my mind that Seagal would not do it because Seagal knows he would get his ass kicked. At least that's what it appears like. 
I don't know. I don't think Seagal is 70. I think they're close to the same age, but it's clear that Jean-Claude is in much better shape. And Seagal, there's no reason, there's no reason for Seagal to do anything like that. I just wish I agree with what Van Damme says there. He's still give him a director, a budget and something good. He'll, he'll, I can't see. You're out of, it's out of focus. Steve is about 71 years old. Oh, 71. All right. Yeah, he would yeah. still get his ass kicked. But you he could still deliver the goods if you give him the if you give him the material. He's just and you just shut him up and just say say Seagal. Yeah, say the lines and do what the director tells you to do and shut the fuck up. He's got that charisma. Van Damme is not wrong, but unfortunately, he's found a way yeah. to generate a massive income doing this doing the garbage that he's doing. So, yeah, Van Damme's got the credibility here. Yeah, I, I think Seagal's been doing such bad work for so long that I just it's probably insurmountable at this point. It's bad work by choice. It really is. <laughs> I just don't think he's... I don't think I don't think much of his thespian skills. And comparatively speaking, I think Jean-Claude's a better actor. How about that? Hmm. There. I said it. I disagree, but that's okay. What you think? Seagal's a better actor than. Sh- I think he was. Wow. I think I, what I wow. see of it, what I see of no him way. now is no way, atrocious. No I way. just don't. I just don't think he's trying. But in his early work, his first four or five movies, that was that was those. And I've said that before. Those were better performances than anything Van Damme has done, until possibly today. We don't know yet. We haven't discussed it. We'll get to it. No, I'm not buying that at all. I, I mean, I've said this before. The one great thing about doing this podcast, because when we got pitched the idea, I said, I believe you said as well, we're not big Jean-Claude fans. And so getting to see his work, I've have in a pre yeah, listen, the guy's not look, he's not Sir Lawrence Olivier by any stretch, but I think he's able to do some stuff fairly well. I really do. I really do. And we'll talk about I didn't about say he Jean-Claude didn't. Van. All right. We already talked about CM Punk's return. Uh, Bookies.com group has got CM Punk facing Seth Rollins at WrestleMania with an odds of plus 200. And let's see here. Uh, The article goes on to say that really the creative decision for CM Punk's direction will be up to Triple H. He's considered a free agent now, but most likely to be assigned to the Raw brand. This makes it he's going to have rivalries with any of the red brand talent like Seth Rollins. Um, after all, Rollins called Punk a cancer and to stay away not too long ago. All of CM Punk's merchandise that the WWE put up sold out night one of his return. His return on YouTube is already the most watched social media clip of all time. Yeah, I nailed it. Grew, what are your thoughts on where they're going to place CM Punk at WrestleMania? Last night, SmackDown made it crystal clear, to me at least, the exact direction that they're going. They they telegraphed everything beautifully. Punk gave what I consider to be the promo of the year. I texted you at the time. You told me to fuck off. To you, you were I did let not you enjoy the concert, me. but I was I talking about you. more important things. But he wanted to hear Allentown for the nineteenth thousandth time. But fine. But no, last night Punk pretty much laid it out. He announced that he was going to. He announced that he was going to announce his decision on Monday night, which 
obviously means he's signing with Raw because he's not going to come in as a face and come to Raw and say he's signing with SmackDown. It's not going to happen. He is making the announcement on Raw, which means he'll sign with Raw, which means he feuds with Rollins, which will be taken all the way to maybe a trilogy that culminates in uh, night one of Mania or the match is night one of Mania. I see Punk either winning the Royal Rumble and choosing Rollins to face or possibly, and I would not like this, but and I don't think Triple H would go this way, but maybe a double winner, one of those landing at no. the same time things with Cody and no. Rollins no. or Cody and... And no. what's whoever we no. would just see a punk, but either way, no. in that case, Rollins. I'm sorry, Punk wins the Rumble, chooses Rollins, leaving a clear path for Cody and Roman because I think that's the that's the safe way to go, and I think they're going to play it safe. They want WrestleMania 40 to be a true crowd pleaser, and I think that answers a lot of questions and it satisfies the most, and it may and it draws the most money. You've already got right now from standing here in whatever month we're in, December, looking back, I just outlined main event one, main event two, and that would be perfect for any one of us. And that's the way, that's the way, that's the way I think we're, that's the way I think they're going. That's the way I think they're going. And I think that's, and I think it's perfect. Okay. I agree with you. And I think it's, I think it's the best way to go because I think that that kind of a match and their styles, I think it could really be a show stealer. I think it's that kind of that grinder match that typically can steal the show at WrestleMania. I think the gloss will go to Reigns and Rhodes. And could potentially a bigger, the biggest match be Roman and CM Punk at Mania? Yes, but I think the, I agree with you. They're going to finish the story and they'll worry about how things go from there. So I think I agree with you. I think it will be Rollins and CM Punk and I think it will be Roman and Cody and I don't I think that they'll keep the one thing I will say is I think they'll keep Punk and Rollins separate and that first match will be at Mania I don't see them tangling beforehand I just don't I just don't see that happening he's gonna be on the same show and they're already laying groundwork Rollins I know was on a podcast talking about him yesterday what I guess today's world would call a shoot so they're definitely laying groundwork for that. But I'm sure he'll have to go through the Judgment Day in order to get to Rollins. So that's perfectly fine. Yeah, they'll link out. They'll link it out. Yeah, so, and that's great. Um, Who would, I, would you love to see CM Punk versus Dominic Mysterio? I would. I think yes. that'd be a great match. I would really enjoy that. Hold on one second. This is why you bring No What's the matter? This is why you bring this is why you bring back CM Punk. Here you go. What? Oh. Check this out. Oh god. Ah uh, yeah. I'll... Oh, I wish we could have got the real one. We may get it. One day. Oh, I've said come on. It needs to happen soon. <laughs> we should do this. This would be fun to do. Yeah, they go insane. <laughs> they lose their minds the second that music hits, and you know they've seen it 35 times already. This is like the 19th take. They don't do it. Come on. I don't believe. 
I don't believe. Uh, I'll turn it off. Well, don't turn it off. They're fun to watch. No, forget it. Forget it. Forget it. <laughs> I've seen more of those. The way more of those than you have. I I love watching that shit. But it. I mean, so why when I'm sharing the clip are you shitting all over it? I'm not shitting all I over thought- it. I'm talking. I'm commenting on it. Uh, comment on this. Comment on this. <laughs> it's a great clip. Family. They're great. They're fun to watch. All right, Family Guy is a nothing worthwhile favorite. And Gru, I don't know <laughs> if you're aware of this, but can I uh, move on with the next clip? Yeah. Series create series creator. I want to talk Marlin. about the previous one. Go ahead. No, guy said what I said. You now it's your turn. I think what those I mean, people. I think what these what those people do is hilarious. And it's a lot of fun, and it and yes, it's a lot of fun to watch people's reactions. It doesn't matter if they're staged or they're real. It's just it's fun to see. That's not the first time. It's like you watch those do when they that, that was. Do you think that was staged? I think some of those people do because they monetize their videos, so they they got to get likes, and they got to get one, so they got to know what's coming in order to telegraph the thing, and that's perfectly fine. How would but, you know what? No, nah, I don't buy that. I don't buy. It. How would you know it's coming? The, they're watching, and it looks like they're watching it right in real time. So, I, if now, they, it, no, they could film anything they, they want, unless that maybe they're live streaming it. If they're live streaming it when it's on for the first time, certainly possible. But if they're not, all they can do is just say, oh, "Hey, let's go back and film this part, refilm this part to get a better whatever." I don't know, but it doesn't matter. It's it's all good. It's fun to watch. I watch them too. That's why the second right. I, I've seen that exact one that you showed. Andrew says it doesn't matter. I, it, does, <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> it what doesn't does matter, matter is, uh, grew family guys and nothing worthwhile. Uh, favorite and series creator Seth MacFarlane. Who oh, shut up, asshole? Teddy Bear Ted is back. Yes, he's in, he's in a new prequel series. And they have the first trailer for the show. We see him take on the highs and lows of high school in Boston. All seven seven episodes of Ted premieres January 11th on Peacock. Andrew, let me uh, here. Actually, let me do it. Let me do it. No, actually, let me do it. Let me do it. Oh, for fuck's no. sake! No, <laughs> let me do it. Trust me. Why is he right. fucking mid fucking show? Go ahead. No, I'm, I'm. Trust me. Go ahead. All right. There goes the spontaneity. There no, the, it's the spontaneity. Fucking up. thing sucks. All right. Hi, everyone. Seth MacFarlane here. Right, here we go. I'm thrilled fucking. to share the trailer for our new Peacock original series, Ted, telling the story of Ted and John's early days. Let's take a look. Hey, Johnny. How bad is school going to suck? Oh, yeah, I got to share it with you. How bad? Oh, my it's God. like getting your nuts smashed together so hard to become just on one nut. Fucking podcast. Holy shit. <laughs> You should be going to school every day with John. Uh-huh. No, thanks. You might have fun. No, I would not have fun. <laughs> I got the house when you guys are out. Oh. What happened Brother to the TV? It was an accident. You're going to school, and you're going to grow a fucking brain. Oh, come on. If I get drunk, well, I, I know can't I'm going to be a dog. Oh, really? Where, where'd you? Where's the 90s? Time to change it. Sexual and hold on one second. With masturbation. If you're going to assign homework, Johnny already did it. How do you do the shared computer I haven't smoked. I haven't had sex. I haven't had a girlfriend. I'm a loser. You and me have been best friends our whole life. We're about to get high the first time. Can we have drugs, please? Let's do this Where's the thing that allows you to... 
there. You gotta hit the share button. <laughs> I did. Can you guys believe we're like oh. having an experience and experiencing then reality? Screen, and then there's Is there a fucking gas leak or something? It's possible that the two of you might not right. be total screw ups. Take a long look. This is what life is. Shit, Teddy. I'm the last virgin right. in school. We can <laughs> fix this. We gotta find a fire. Hold on, we, I mean, it's still playing. Jesus Christ, it, just smell. Shut up. Yeah, of course. Right, I'm just trying to help. But you've seen it before. Okay, so it's over. Holy shit. <laughs> no, because for, for whatever reason, when you're sharing, the sound is not coming through right. So it's not coming through, for, it's not at... coming through for the audience. Right. Then we need to. I shared stuff. We did a practice on the beginning of the podcast. Right. For whatever for, reason, it wasn't sounding right. So I wanted it to sound better. Sometimes you got to be able to work on the fly. Can you not see me anymore? Oh, now you're sharing your screen, looking at me, looking at you. It looks <laughs> oh, like. Oh wait, I got to Like a fish con. Like a fish on. concert. Uh, How do I unshare? Oh, stop sharing. All right, I didn't. Yeah, there we go. All right, we good now. Are we good? I'm a little upset. But, uh, <laughs> what do you mean? I'll get, I'll, oh, shut I'll up. Get over it. Are you kidding me? Okay. Stop it. Uh, all right, we're going to skip the... Uh, Those are your wedding the, presents. Um, oh Call her my again. Stomach hurt. Anyway. Not my what? Stomach, not, my stomach, <laughs> not my stomach hurts. Let's go right to Jean-Claude Van Johnson, everybody. It's an American action comedy drama stream. Wait, did we get to everybody? Did Tell- we get an Arnold one? Yeah. Yes. Which was the Arnold Let's one? Move on. Yes. Arnold was the I'll be back. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. I'm sorry. Really? Why? Every episode, you have no short-term memory. And you know why you have no short-term, short-term <laughs> no. memory. I'm not going to reveal it. <laughs> you, you, you no, know, that's not. I will respect your FERPA. Your <laughs> my what? Uh, my FERPA? <laughs> privacy. Yeah. It's, it's uh, another one of those freaky words. That's FERPA. right. John Claude, produced by Ridley Scott. With his production studio, Scott Free Productions and Amazon Studios. It premiered on August 19, 2016. I don't remember this at Me all. Me neither. January 18, 2018, the series was canceled after one season. Story centers on retired martial arts and action movie star Jean Claude Van Damme playing himself. It is revealed that the movie career and personal history of Jean Claude Van Damme is all a cover story. He's actually a secret agent known as Jean-Claude Van Johnson, huh? <laughs> wink, wink. Uh, aided by his personal assistant and makeup specialist who are themselves covert operatives as well, his handler and weapons master. After being out of the spy business for five years, Jean-Claude runs into his former handler, Vanessa, played by Cat Foster, and realizes how much he misses both their work together, which made him feel like a hero. And he decides to go back into action, tracking down a major drug lord, only to later realize he has found a larger threat terrorist who possess a weather-controlled machine. Grew the supporting class includes Jean Croix's manager, Jane Felicia Rashad, who in reality is his superior and in charge of covert operations agency. His, wes- his weapons specialist is Luis, played by Moises Arias, a former child soldier who wishes he actually was just a hairstylist. And a makeup artist. John Claude's new cover involves ingredient the star in Huck. That did make me chuckle. A violent action reimagining of Huckleberry Finn. 
He's forced to deal with Gunner, played by Tim Pepper, the movie's self-absorbed director in between his spy work. Throughout the series, Jean-Claude runs into Philippe, who's played by Van Damme, a fan who think are unrealistic such as him being surrounded by enemies who insist on attacking him one at a time or seemingly meeting a version of himself from the future so i have all six episodes like plot synopsis i don't know where do you want to go with this i have a lot of thoughts on it we can go right to just our reviews and what we liked or didn't like but we read how this came up was they quoted peter on a Atencio, who is the director, we, there was an article that we talked about in Spanning the Universe, a earlier Van Dammit, and I was like, they referenced Jean-Claude Van Johnson. I'm like, they have a television sh- series starring Jean-Claude, and lo and behold, they do, and uh, we watched it. So where, where do you want to go with this? I don't know. I think just giving, if you have a lot of thoughts, just go, uh, go with your thoughts. I have a lot of thoughts as well, more general thoughts than anything specific and there's a reason why oh who who so who should begin i'll talk <clears throat> okay um, go for it real quick the website digital trends named it one of three shows on amazon prime that quote flew under the radar stating that it only lasted a single season but fans of the martial arts and action movie star jean-claude van damme will love checking out this ridley scott produced action comedy drama Talking about he was just posing as a martial arts expert and a movie star the whole time. Van Damme, rather Van Johnson, decides to get back into the game to help take down a drug lord. The article goes on to say that the action sequences are beautifully juxtaposed by Van Damme's fragile ego, constantly upset when he isn't recognized and repeatedly working in his movies into conversation. So look, I'll give you my review. Uh, I don't really have any kind of pitchy scale i'll just go zero to four stars i'll tell you what i liked about the film with this article with digital trends it tries to dig deep into jean-claude's ego and sort of his background and it does touch upon his youth and some of the things that he grew up i thought that was pretty deep and i actually thought his acting was really spot on this show he really delivers a very fragile nuanced performance in my estimation he looks old his face is weather-beaten in this movie. He's wrinkly. His hairline's starting to go back a little bit. He's still in great shape, but he looks the part of an older action star. I liked Gunner, the film director. Tim Pepper was a blast watching him. I thought the whole Philip thing was fun, and they poke fun at Hollywood a little bit. The Huck thing with Woke, but they're still politically super incorrect and they have the Asian action star come in and it's completely offensive and he gets pissed off at the movie premiere and walks out. That that gave me a chuckle. I thought the cast, actually when I saw the cast listing originally, I was like sparse. But I thought the cast did a real good job. Like I thought Cat <clears throat> Foster as Vanessa was great. Moises Arias as Luis was great. Felicia Rasad, she gives you that. She's just like a television pro she gives you that real nice middle of the road performance until the end when you get a reveal. And then she, I thought kick it kicks it into a second gear. So I thought the cast 
was pretty good. What I didn't like about it was the premise to me is faulty right off the bat. <laughs> Again, with the action star playing, it's an, a secret agent playing himself. He does that in JCVD. They spin off of it. And from all intents and purposes, from what I know about JCVD, and I did see it years ago, he did a better job there. I was enjoying the show up until like episode three. And then at the end, they do the whole time cop kind of Easter egg, which they think is cute. Yeah. And that's where they lost me because it was played. I know it's a cheeky premise, but they played it serious. And then they go into the past. And now there's three Jean-Claude Van Dams. And is it Philip? Is it not? Am I making sense here? Or are, you, are we yeah, making eye? Are we, are you can, can that? All right, because I feel like you're like looking at some German porn right now or something like that while I'm yeah, like yeah. speaking. He's well, not, not German, uh, but yes, it's real interesting. The your, villains, your th- let me just fit the villains are straight out of John Wick. And the final episode, you do get like a pretty cool reveal and a pretty cool fight. But then the ending, they throw out a little like almost Marvel like at the very end. Yeah like a sort of a Marvel post-credit, and it's really super ridiculous. And then I was like, this thing is the shit. So I guess in isolation, I like John claude Van Johnson. The acting is really good, and certain parts are really pleasing, but the premise for me was just the shits, and I really never connected on in any kind of deep level. I'll give it two stars because I think John claude I think it's some of his best acting work I've seen to date. But the premise is really faulty. I've I've said this with my reviews. Play it straight. Play it like he's a real super agent. Play it. Give me that. They cut. And, they did. And so that it, no, but he's he's playing. He's a a super agent playing an actor playing himself. It's too fucking convoluted. And <laughs> if you compare it to, if you compare it to again, you talk about two sort of nostalgia. If you talk about Tulsa Kings, excuse me, not Tulsa, it, King. Um, Tulsa King, Tulsa King, you're taking Stallone, you're taking, I think, his strength as an actor, you're putting him in as an Italian American tough, not revolutionary, but he's, he's a mobster, kind of, you're a bad guy, and then you're giving him a pretty cool surrounding cast. It's a new premise, it really works. Cobra Kai, you're taking nostalgia, you're giving us young actors, you're inter, interplaying it there. And at least season one and a lot of it, when you're playing it seriously, it super works for me here. I just, the premise I never connected with. So I really liked it on a surface level, nothing deeper, two stars. That That's what I got. Okay. So here's mine. Mine is, I think the literal opposite, opposite of yours yet. It's the same because I look at it as here's what I loved, loved, uh, John Claw's performance, best acting he's ever done from the first 15 seconds. I Right away, I could tell he was bringing it, and he brought it. He was absolutely fantastic. Really impressed with that. Loved the premise, opposite of you. I loved the idea that all this time he's been like a spy or with the CIA and on these ops, and he's retired from films, and he's like being brought back into both worlds. And look like the juxtaposition of the two worlds. Then I get the irony. It's one is not so different than the other. But 
the pro and so I loved that. I thought it was incredibly inventive. So it was off to a phenomenal start. And then they went absolutely nowhere with it. It turned into more of a generic. They started to take itself too seriously. And it started to be, it should have gone the way of the comic book or the cartoon. And it should have been, it, it was like trying to make it into a generic John Wick type thriller by the end. And it didn't matter anymore. And it lost me around after episode three. I'm like the first three yeah. episodes I'm in. This is great. I love where this is going. Problem is once they hit episode three, they hit like an apex there and it went nowhere. And it and they lost me and lost a little bit of my concentration towards the end. I just didn't. I rewatched certain things, so I was aware. But I was like, it didn't matter. And part of the reason, even though there were a couple, including Felicia Rashad, who kicked ass, loved her performance. Generic yeah. took a generic character and made it her own. I loved it. And I also loved. I forgot his name, but the young guy who played the assistant. Uh, oh, that was and, so yeah, Luis. I thought he was good, but everybody else, I think they should have upped the budget for more recognizable and more experienced actors. I just did. I know you, you said the cast was good. I think they could have done better in the more major roles, especially Vanessa. I didn't, I didn't, I thought she I just, was great. I didn't I think she was great. I thought she was, she's probably, and it's weird to say, but probably too hot. What's, I'm sorry, but sometimes it's tough to take. That's so. That's your major criticism on a lot of projects, like the well, up the ante with the acting and yeah, they they they're like treating the audience like little kids. It's like they they want you to. They're more concerned with what somebody looks like than how they speak or what the or I don't you know. Like, no, I'm not buying that criticism there. I think it was right, wonderfully get, shot, and it does. It does look like they put some money into this, though. They did. I, I just felt me, I felt they could have sprung okay, a little episode, more for some better episode, supporting actors, like they usually do for John Claude Van Damme. They don't okay. really have that. They don't really have that that vet who's they have Felicia Rashad, so I give that them credit for that. But they don't really have that vet sidekick that they usually have for him. But in any case, we agree that around episode around the start of episode four, it starts to go off the rails, and I agree with well, that. But up till then, I really did enjoy it. Episode three. They're in this lair, and then they bring out this time cop. You now there's three. Yeah, there's three of them, and and one of them is talking like he's like he he goes to. No, I don't want to say it. You're let me because I watched this. I didn't. I I kept my attention. So did I. I told you through episode three. I was like, all right, I'm trying to go over. I don't know. He's cranky tonight. Or maybe I'm cranky. But my thing is, you didn't like when they bring out the time cop cube. You didn't think that went into hokey. It absolutely silly. did. All right. That's when I was like, come on. You, you, what are you guys doing now? They had some cute Easter eggs with the Jean-Claude movies. He has that. He, he goes back into his childhood and he's walking through like that cafeteria. And he yes. sees all the people he's killed in his movies. And they have the mascot from uh, what was the over the hockey. Sudden death. Sudden death. You know? Yeah, that was, that like, was oh, great. Uh, there there were that, great moments scattered throughout. There were great moments scattered throughout. That stuff I liked. Yes. There were some, they, they didn't they, get as creative or inventive as they should have. I thought they had a terrific premise, uh, a fun idea, and they really didn't go all the way with it. They It became too mainstream instead of going 
going for broke. I agree with you. The guy, every line out of the, or every mannerism, Gunner, the director, director. like all coked up and just so, crazy. So fucking hard right yeah, now. Yeah, I love that guy. Oh, he that's when great. Jean-Claude, that's when Jean-Claude legitimately killed people yes. in the movie set. And he didn't know. Yeah. But he was turned on by the action sequence. Yeah. He was like, yeah. And, and, so, and you know what? And, and it's, I've seen people like that. And they absolutely would be like, turn the fucking camera on. This is incredible. Like, like, just like that guy does. He's, are we fucking rolling? Let's go. And that, that was great. But in my final summation, I am going to agree with you a hundred percent. Two stars. It, it started off good, hit a wall, enjoyable enough to give it two. Would have loved to see them go in a different direction with it, but. Props to Jean-Claude Van Damme. He was great. And I his like... acting. Come on, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. He can re- he acts really well here. Yep, absolutely. And the technology of even though as hokey as it is, the technology of having them in the keeping them in the same room together, all three of them, it works. I it just, looks good. I know, but it's ho- I like I said, funny. it's hokey, but it looked good it looked good. It- Okay, but but we gave it two stars. I feel like you almost wanted it to go like full Hulk, and I was like, no. I did. I told you we disagree on why we give it two stars. I give. I I disagree. uh, We disagree on why we give it two stars. I know, but did you really want a time cop with fifteen Jean Claudes running around? I wanted it either to go either to be. You can't have. Would you have wanted Sylvester Stallone to, to do something like this? Hokey. No, because it didn't because it didn't know what it had. You know what? Tulsa King. Think about it for a second. Tulsa King started in a serious way. And as it grew in because I think they were still filming it as it was going. I don't think I think they released episode by a weekly episodes, and that means they were still filming it. I think it got more hokey as it went on in a good way. It had a very good balance of a slow build with this nuttiness that was going on around him. You disagree? I do. There's a level of comedy, but you and I respect Stallone's comedy chops. He's not Henny Youngman, but he can deliver some comedy. And <laughs> that's so a great that's line. fine. But the ending aside, which I didn't like, which is like my, my MO, I seem to hate, I like TV shows, but they're endings. But that aside... I thought for the most part... You can see a doctor for that if you want to. Maybe. (laughs) 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 That was a good one. I'll give you that. Moody has trouble ending. We're going to put that in the uh, machine. Yeah, put that in the Um, description of the episode. I felt like Tulsa King took it pretty much really straight down the line. If anything, I'll criticize Cobra Kai for really starting to go full hoke. But I thought Tulsa King took... A veteran guy, maybe a fading guy ever so slightly, took his gifts, took his strengths, and put it in a project that I think best suited him to to put forth his strengths. I don't know if I'm making sense. No, you're absolutely right. I agree with you. Like, Jean-Claude could have been a grizzled cop, maybe in a veteran series with other – yeah, maybe some better actors – even if you sold me that, you know, with nothing really of a new premise, although I thought Tulsa King was a new premise for Sly, and it, it, it hit for me. But I just think here, I was into it, then I'm like, oh, now we're time traveling? No. Okay, I'll give Stop you something. I'll give you something. 
it's a great premise, probably used its money in the wrong way. Because I'm thinking, I would have loved to have seen a series that Jean-Claude Van Damme is filming a movie, but he is also a CIA operative. And keep the two things separate. Don't have any ambiguity about, almost like a true lies kind of thing. Don't have any ambiguity. Don't try to get super fancy with all this nutty, nutty psychological stuff. Just keep it like all of a sudden we realize that Jean-Claude Van Damme, while he's been doing all this movies, has also been working for the United States as something like that. And keep them separate because the intertwining is what pushed me out of it a little bit because it got too crazy. That's my, that's part of my, I, I, it was hard to follow. It was hard to follow with Philip. They have the Philip character, but then it's Jean-Claude. And then I just couldn't figure out what the fuck was happening. Yes. It was very hard to follow. Now I think something like that would be too much lies. And here's the problem for me too. And you're going to see the movie. You have JCVD and he's, now, look, John claude doesn't have the following like a Stallone or Schwarzenegger, but he's done the meta, I'm an action film star in society. And it's not exactly the same, but to me it is the same. I would have tr- liked to see him in mine, maybe different territory in a television format. Just, that's just my take on it. But the, I, as a movie buff and enjoying that stuff, that was my favorite part of this whole thing. And I would have liked it to have been more dependent on that. Our perception of him and satiring or satirizing, I'm sorry, Jesus, satirizing our perception of him instead of, which is, to be fair, Tulsa King really didn't do that either. But Tulsa King got lucky and found something that really worked and went with it. And every all cylinders were firing there. But Cobra Kai relies on the formula that I'm talking about. Just finding a, just saying the hell with it and going for it, no matter how nutty it seems. It didn't do that enough. That's what kept it from being what I thought it could have been. Maybe because John Claude isn't at quite at that level, like you just said, of a Stallone or Schwarzenegger. Maybe we, maybe that's the reason. I don't know. It just couldn't seem to get past that stigma. I agree, and I, so I think Andrew and I have a tepid, a very tepid generic like. We disliked a lot of the pieces for different reasons. I think we do agree, though, that this is Jean-Claude chops it up pretty good acting-wise. 100%. It's greater yeah. than the sum of its parts. I agree. I think in isolation, if you watched one episode, you might be like, oh, this is not bad. Yes. But at the, at the end of this end of the 100%. Series, I, was, I was like, what the F? In fact, I love the first episode. Terrible. Yeah, terrible ending. I love the first episode. I was into it until the end of episode three. And then yeah. I had to fight my way through. Episode six picks up a little bit, but they're giving you the final battle. So you, they're picking up a little momentum. But I still really at that point didn't care. I yep. checked out as a viewer. I'm with you. So real quick. Rotten Tomatoes gave it an approval rating of 70%. There's no number of reviews listed and it got an average it got an average audience score of 96%. So no numbers listed. I I don't know how much stock I would put into that. All right, Jean-Claude, best acting work here. We'll move on. Gru, you want to give us one thing you're watching this week, next week or a yes. recommendation? Yes, Steve, as the holidays are a very difficult time. <laughs> 
<laughs> and there's a time that I felt depressed and I needed to talk to somebody. So I called Andrew. Yeah. And, uh, Andrew was we like, get the fuck help. off my phone, you pussy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> and now let's talk about AEW with Blake. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like so funny. Uh, and it's so at the holidays, I'm watching, I'm watching a lot of Christmas stuff. And I would actually hope that you would watch what I am going to suggest to you because it's something that I'm the only one besides my dad. My dad didn't like it, but I'm the only one else I know who's watched this. I'm a big fan, as I think you are too, as I would hope you would be, of the Scrooge story, the Ebenezer Scrooge tale of Christmas redemption. I am very uh, open to any version of that story. I love most of the ones, especially if they're done well. I love them. There are so many of them. I can't think of another story that has more versions. There is a recent version that is a horror kind of version of the story. Not horror like Shakespearean, fucked up, weird shit. But it's phenomenal, and I've watched it several times. And I just watched it again recently, and it's fascinating to me. It's called A Christmas Carol. It's about three hours long, uh, oh, and it's on and it's on Hulu. The only real recognizable actors in it are Guy Pierce, who plays Scrooge, and Andy Serkis, who from his Lord of the Rings. That that guy, he plays one of the spirits, and Stephen Graham. British actor. He was in The Irishman, okay. I think. But it is a fascinating it's fascinating what to me what they do with the source material, which I am a huge fan of. Which is the reason why my dad didn't like it, because my dad is a huge fan of the source material as well, and he didn't like what they did with it for whatever reason. I loved what they did with it. And I'd be curious to hear what you think. So, yes, A Christmas Carol available on Hulu. It's from 2019. That's when it first that's when it first premiered, 2019. It was presented as a TV miniseries. The way it is on Hulu is as just a full movie. Folks, when we decided to do this segment, it was supposed to be like a light breezy of three sentences. Hey, I'm watching this week. <laughs> and <laughs> it's a horror. I feel like you should have... Like a cigar, I'd be like, and the pathos of Scrooge is <laughs> like that John like Lovitz guy, like the Saturday Night Live. We used to do make fun of Larry Merchant, who used to do like boxing, but he was like a Harvard educated guy. And he was like, tonight, what did we learn about Larry Holmes? We learned not very little as he. Knocked Ali into brain damage. Just is very, very breathy. Uh, <laughs> all right. We learned that the louder the baby moans, the harder the baby falls. <laughs> so here's what I got, Andrew. My recommendation is, while well, you're going to hear the different kind of culture and artistry, I'm going for 2023 original movie. It's Please Don't Destroy the Legend of Foggy Mountain. It's on Fuck Peacock. It's the next... It, See how he disrespects this goes, <laughs> Honestly, this is how he fucking I set up clips I work hours on research And then he I'll just do it And he fucks up the uh, I can't even watch the Ted <laughs> thing Because he doesn't know And he thinks it's funny Because he's sipping on He's sipping Red Hots all night And he's having it right now 
Stop! Stop it! No! How dare you? On, I really How dare you? I take time to think about All right, this. Legend of Foggy Mountain. Let's go. Come on. They're the guys from Saturday Night Live. They're the only reason to watch Saturday Night Live. They do the digital shorts. They're from like the like the Andy Samberg School of Comedy. They're the three guys who do all the online vignettes for SNL. They they have the viral pre-recorded videos that often have the show's guest on. We talked about the one that really wasn't that good with Bad Bunny. But these three guys play loser versions of themselves. They love to do the self-mockery thing. And you get Conan O'Brien, who's the dad plays the dad of one of them. He has ridiculous facial hair on his face on this one, and they he runs a kind of like a send off of uh, Bass Pro Shops called Trout Plus. And so the three losers they they find out about a treasure like in the in the woods, and they go after it, and mirth and merriment ensue. <laughs> and it's like the it's like the Goonies with an R rating. Plus you get Conan O'Brien cursing up a storm, and it's really, really funny. Look, if you need to kill ninety minutes and you don't want anything heavy. Check out The Legend of Foggy Mountain on Peacock. All right. And if you want to have your wow, the, psychedelic the just, mind fucked. Yeah. There he goes. Let me just promote and, myself again. And it's oddly enough, there actually is an allusion to that very thing in this version of A Christmas Carol, which it's rated R. It's a hard R, too. So Yeah. Now I feel like I'm just not going to watch it despite you. But I'll come on, there's naked girls in it. In that case, all right. Well, we'll, we'll take the doggy. We'll take after the, we'll take you guys for a walkie, right? He goes, we'll look at him. He goes right to the dogs, right to the dog. You I love dogs. Him. I love them. I'm uh, coming, you little right, bitches. Oh, no, how dare you? Come here, you want to say hi, Uncle Gru? Yeah. Come up, come here. Oh, come here. One, two, come here. Yeah. Oh, see that? There he is. I'm there's coming. I'm, come here, say. I'm coming with my scissors. I'm give you a haircut. All right. Uh, how doggy, doggy tattoo. When, oh, <laughs> now he's stepping on my. There you go. When Gru and I return back to the mothership, nothing worthwhile. We're going to go back to that great sport of ours, professional wrestling, for our third watch along. We're going back to 2006. Gru, it's Unforgiven. John Cena challenging Edge for the WWE Championship in a tables, ladders, and chairs match. Grew a prime Edge versus prime John Cena. Any thoughts? Yes, can't wait. I've actually been watching older stuff that from the section of time that I really missed, which was a lot of punk stuff, and this is certainly in that era. So I'm definitely looking forward to watching this one with you. I'm purposely avoiding that one. Good. Wait for it to watch it with you. Good. In one month's time, Grew will come back to Van Dammit. We're back, no. Claude. Yes, Andrew. <laughs> yeah. I'm building momentum to the final Gaga. reveal, and it's a okay. <laughs> uh, group. It's Jean Claude. We're in the new millet. We're in the new. <laughs> We're in. The... I'm just waiting for him to. You know what? You're like Christopher Walken at Saturday Night Live. You. <laughs> you are like. If you took a blood, if you took a urine sample from Andrew right now, it would be. What are you? Awesome what are you hot. talking about? It's look. Uh, this is not our usual time that we do this. We're, it's it's it like five p.m. out there, which is like one a.m. out here. No, you it's know not. That. It's six fifty. Yeah, <laughs> I know that. Uh, Gru, we're gonna go to the new millennium. It's two thousand one replicant, starring our guy Jean Claude Van. Wait, Hale it's six fifty there. Six fifty, six forty nine. So you're two hours behind us. All right, maybe we are. I don't know. It's eight fifty here, and it's nine o'clock on a Saturday. <laughs> 
regular crowd. <laughs> well played. All right. Sorry. Go ahead. But yeah, we're doing we're doing a replicant. Yes, Andrew. Jean Claude and Michael Rooker, the future's most ruthless killer. To destroy him, they had to create him. Actually, to be honest, I think we've already talked. I have no recollection of this movie, so myself neither. I'm interested interested to see Replicant with Jean Claude, though I feel like we're in the inevitable slide category of his filmography. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, but there there might be a couple winners in there. Maybe some that we haven't seen. A lot of a lot of these guys have some buried treasures. Who knows what we will unearth in the canon of JCVD? Yeah, looking forward to it, Andrew. Let's. It's late there on the Northeast. Uh, take us out. Uh, yes, it is. Sat. It is Saturday. It is almost nine o'clock on a Saturday, so obviously it's time for the regular crowd to go to the bathroom, take out the doggies, and wonder what we're going to have for dinner. Maybe some pizza. But on the other hand, that sounds good. Let's look forward to the next time that we meet, which shall be next week, hopefully, weather permitting. Yes. Of course. Um, yes. We will be watching. What's the match? Cena versus who? <laughs> I knew he was going to do that. Cena versus who? Cena versus, it's not Cena, Cena versus Edge. Yeah. I was like, it's not Punk. We did that. All right. So Cena versus Edge. Watch along next week on Nothing Worthwhile. And then The Replicant, not a Blade Runner spinoff, the Jean-Claude Van Damme universe. But all of this is really part of the Nothing Worthwhile universe, and we're happy that you've joined us here today for our episode on the eh, eh, Jean-Claude Van Johnson. So we'll see you next time. And until then, no retreat, folks. No surrender. (laughs) Medical professional, please email me on Andrew Guthias at (laughs) moody81 at (laughs) bll.com.